I believe the Father has got something special that he wants to share with us, just as the songs that we have sung, even the, since the, the beginning. First of all, thank you for the dear ones who have ministered unto us. Thank you, our brother Randolph, for blessing us and leading us so wonderfully, and each and every other dear one who has blessed us in ministry. May the Lord richly bless you. Our young people, almost all of them went for holiday. Some went for holiday and hence they have been ministering every other single Sunday almost for the past one or two years. At least they had some time to get to, get, to take off. That's the reason why you don't see them playing the instruments here today. They decided to have a time off. I told them it's fine. They can as well rest. It's all, it's all right. We shall still sing. Praise the Lord. And we shall still worship the Lord ourselves all for the honor and for the glory of God in the highest. So we expect to see them again next week, and I believe it will be fine. Today, as we enter into what it is that we're going to share, I just want to say this particular aspect. I mean, we've been sharing about the aspects of love and the peace that God ministers unto us. And the more we continue to seek after God, and the more we continue to desire to experience God in our individual lives and corporately as a body, always remember the word he says, draw near unto me and I will draw near unto you. His desire is for you and I, those ones of us who are here, those ones who are online, you know, that he wants us to draw near unto him. And it is a decision you and I must make moment by moment. Because it's always easy to draw away from God. The situations and circumstances that face us in, in the world, in our families, and all around us, they are always such that they try to pull us away from God. But as we make a decision in our mind that I'm not going to be pulled away, I will determine whether in storm, whether it's in peace, whether it's always well, I will do my best to draw every day, to draw closer and closer to him. And it delights the heart of our Father. And so as we get into moving into the word, I want you to remember the words that we shared in the, in the message from the pastorate. That is at the very beginning. We touched it even last, I think last time. I, I touched on it a bit. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. And there is something I want us to share from that particular point of view where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Here, he starts it in us, and he wants us to extend it unto the others. But today, something that was placed upon my heart was to do with the, father, the Father's heart and what the Father means unto you as such. And mainly, I'm going to be talking on what Jesus basically said, you have been left, I have been left in the Father's care. And I want us to look again, what is the Father's care? How does he care for us? And how does he watch over us? What kind of care does he employ over you and over, and over me? There are those ones who are in the care industry. 
There are those ones who are nurses, those ones who are doctors, those ones who are parents, those ones, you know, every one person takes care of something one or the, or the other way. But Jesus said some interesting words, and we shall come to them later. But as we go into it, I want you to start asking yourself first and foremost, who or what is God to you? Just as you are seated there, start thinking, you know, who actually or what is God to you that is in your thoughts? What is God to you anyway? Or in your imagination, in your view, what is God? Now, many times we, we, we can be very religious. We talk of God, 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 God. But really, we don't zero in and come into home in and understand or ask ourselves, what is this person that we call God? Or what is this? Or who is this that we call God? The other aspect is, is he a person? To you, do you consider him as a person? One, and in our current time, do you consider him just to be an intelligence or a consciousness? As you know, as our present generation goes, one thing I want you to remember is he created all things. That means what we call intelligence, he created that intelligence. And what we call consciousness, he created that particular consciousness. And the question what I want you to consider is, can the creator be like his create, creation? Can the creator be considered to be like his creation? That's the question I want you to ask yourself first of all. Because if he created intelligence, or if he created all things and he created intelligence, then he's greater than intelligence. Yes. We cannot call him intelligence. We cannot even call him supreme intelligence because he's beyond intelligence. If he created consciousness, we can't call him then consciousness. Even all whatever expands of consciousness you can ever imagine, he's greater than that because he made it. He is outside of consciousness, if you consider it that way, because he made it. And for that particular reason, he's beyond, he's unknowable, that's as the scripture puts it. We can't confine him in any description whatsoever. And that's the reason why you realize that, you know, everything that is created, it bears the ideas or the thoughts of the creator. But it cannot be the creator. You look at a picture. You can see the wonderful, how wonderful it has been painted and it has been put forth. But you can never say that is Shen. That you know, he, he drew that particular picture. I can see Shen in the No, it is Shen's stuff. Shen, welcome on your family. It is nice. It's nice you, you're a visitor and I've decided to use your name as an example. <laughs> So, you know, he creates that particular, that picture. He can sign on the picture, you know, on the photograph or the picture, the painting, and we will say, oh, it was drawn by, but it can never be the person. The person who does the paint is far greater than that particular painting. And that's what our father is. That's why he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 18, uh, up to verse 21, I want, we are looking or laying a form of a foundation as to who is God to you. 
Is he a person? Or is he an intelligence? Or is he consciousness? Paul says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Then he asks, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the, the, the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, for in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not and cannot know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Now he's calling you and I to simply believe. Now we have touched intelligence, we have touched consciousness. You know, our wise people on earth, our, the, the philosophers and the professors, they are the ones who come up and tell us, you know, God is you know, supreme intelligence because they are very wise, they, they know it. But here he comes and he says, where is the wise and where is the, you know, the scribe? Where are those philosophers? Where are those professors? He says, because I created that intelligence that is in them. How can they call me intelligence? How can they call me consciousness? I'm still coming to that question. Who is God to you? Is he a person? Or you are imagining he's some force that is just affecting us somehow. If he is the creator, he is outside of his creation. He is not part, in a sense, if you may say so. He is not part of that particular thing he has created. He has created and it operates outside him. Although we can say it is inside him because it is within his jurisdiction and within his power and within his particular control. And so come down to that particular place and, you know, as we say, he is unknowable. Now Jesus comes and introduces him to us. From a different perspective, he introduces him as Father, as we have sung in most of the songs that we have said today. He says, he calls him our Heavenly Father. You know, all his life, the life of Jesus, he literally lives to express who the Father is or what the Father is. And in all the actions and every word, every instruction, everything that he ever said, he is expressing who the Father, who the Father is. You know, he does you know, what, you know, what, what the Father is and he does what the Father thinks. He puts it in action because the Father is beyond description. So he places it, acts it out for us to be able to see who the Father is. Then he says something in Israel, in, in, in John chapter 5 verse 17. He says, Jesus answered them, my Father has been working until now. And I have been working. Meaning, as the Father is working, he's like, you know, he's linked to the Father. He's observing what the Father is doing and he's doing it likewise so that we can be able to understand and appreciate to know who the Father is. What does that mean? He says, every healing that he did, he was trying to tell you that the Father heals. The Father is a healer. 
If you have any sickness or any condition whatsoever, don't be discouraged. Don't ever give up. Keep on believing because the Father is a healer. He will heal and he heals even now for the glory of his name. Every time he did a deliverance, he cast out any demon. What he was trying to say is that the Father does not tolerate demons to oppress his creation. You and I. That's what it is that he was trying to express and to tell, to tell you and I that you cannot and you are not to be a dwelling place of any oppressive spirit of whatsoever kind for the glory of God. He is, if we can put it in this way, he's so jealous of you that he wants to make sure that you are complete and you are whole at all times in the name of Jesus Christ. Whenever he provided, he fed the thousands. You know, he provided money to pay taxes and such and such like. He was simply trying to work out and to tell you that the Father is willing to meet all your need. That is not an intelligence. It is a person. He is out to be able to do something for you. He is not floating around. No, he is a person in himself. Only we can't understand him. We can't know him. But we are outside him and in a sense we are inside him because he created us. He made us. You can see how he did Adam. He, he, made, he made Adam, you know, he made Adam with his own hands and he, he, he fixed him to be what he is. So he made you and I in our wombs in whatsoever way that he did it. When he gives any direction on instruction, what Jesus was trying to say that, he, that the Father wants you to be informed at all times. The Father does not want you to be ignorant. That in all the instruction, all the teaching that he gave, he gave with that desire for you and I to know that the Father has this desire in his heart. You must be informed. He wants to fill you with his wisdom, his knowledge, and his insight as he enables you and I to grow for the honor and for the glory of God. And finally, when he dies at Calvary and every sacrifice that he does, he was trying to tell us what? That the Father will always plead your cause. That is the kind of God. And the kind of father that he is seeking out. He is presenting what father means unto us. That he will plead your cause at every time. Now I don't know what you may be passing through. What you may be experiencing. Or the difficulties that you may be having. Whether it is health. Whether it is financial. Whether it is whatsoever area. What the father is trying to indicate unto us through the Lord Jesus. I will plead your cause. He goes to all extents even to die there at Calvary. When Jesus dies, he hangs there on the tree. And basically what is he saying is the father is hanging there on the tree because he says, as I see the father do, so I do. Now, you know, one interesting thing he says, he calls us to be his sheep. And some people feel, feel it is an abuse. How can you know? Why does he call us to be so dumb without you know we are sheep? No, he himself, he called himself, he called himself the lamb of God. Can you imagine? Now, he, he himself, he refers to himself, he is the Lamb of God. So he called himself sheep first, before even he called you to be one of his sheep. So he identifies with us, with a desire to bring us close to the Father, to discover who the Father is unto us. And that's why Paul now comes to us in the scripture that we have read in that first Corinthians chapter, second Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, where he says that, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He is the Father 
of our Lord Jesus. One, he is the father of mercies. I don't know what it is that you may be hoping to know where you desire his intervention. He is the father of mercies. And then he says, he is the God of all comfort. We may be stressed in so many different ways. We are depressed in one way. We are mentally attacked in one way. We, you know, we are pressed on either side. But he still says he is the God of all comfort. And now we enter into the main aspect of, to, of, today's, of today's message. And that, that, you know, before Jesus left and went to be with the Father, before he left and finished his work here on earth, listen to the words that he says and I want you to start meditating on these words as we move on. John chapter 17 and verse 11 to 15. He says the following. Now I am no longer in the world. That is Jesus saying. But these, that is you and I, the disciples. But these are in the world. And I come to you. Then he says, Holy Father, keep through your name. Those you have given me. I want you to keep those words in your spirit. Keep through your name those whom you have given me. That they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept and none of them is lost except the son of perdition. That the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Then listen again. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world but that you should keep them from the evil one. Basically what he's saying, remember the first word. Keep them through those whom you have given me in, in, in your name. Keep through your name those whom you have given me. And then he comes here and he says, keep them from the evil one. So basically in a nutshell, what Jesus is, 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 telling, is telling the father is that father, take care of them. Can you turn to your neighbor and tell him, oh, God the father is taking care of you. Turn to somebody else tell him, I said God the Father is taking care of you. Praise the Lord. What the Father wants you and I to learn is that the Father is committed to your care. The Almighty God, the one we call Almighty God, the everlasting one, the sovereign one. He is committed to your care. Have you ever taken care of somebody who is sick? And you know how, it, how, how difficult it can be sometimes. It can be very draining. You can run up and down until you wonder, surely why, why, why me? But the father does more than that. As we can take care of the sick person, then we go away, we'll go and rest some, at some point, we'll come back later. But not the father. The father is ever on your case. Continually. Day in and day out. When you run away from him, he's running after you. When you run back, he's running back with you. When you do this, he's up and down. Taking, seeking to be able to take care of you. That is, the father 
does take care of you. But the one question I want to, to ask to ask yourself is, how does he take care of you? And that's what I want us to touch on. There are a few aspects that we'll discuss. We may not finish them, but we'll discuss whatever we can discuss, at least in the, in the, in the sharing. Number one, he leads you by his spirit. And I want us to look at it. He has not left you to your own imaginations or to your own, you know, your, your, own, your own crafty ideas of how you're going to be able to make it. No. He says he leads you and me by his spirit. That's what he says in Romans 8.14. He says, for as many are, as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God or the daughters of God. He says, if you are his son or his daughter, he does not leave you alone to map your way around. No. He is so concerned that he really sends his spirit who knows all things to be able to take your hand and to draw and direct you in the way that you should go. Remember Jesus. It is very clear from his testimony that, you know, Jesus himself, he was led by the spirit. And why is he led by the spirit? If you look in Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 and then jump to verse 11, the word of God says that Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Here, he is led by the spirit and he's brought into the wilderness, not for fun. He's brought into the wilderness to, for temptation. Matthew, it is the father of masses. Listen, he's the father of masses and the father of all comfort. And he gives his spirit. And what does his spirit do? He leads Jesus, where? Into the wilderness. And he takes him there for a particular purpose, to be tempted by the devil and to be given a hard time by the evil one. But after the temptation, I want you to hear what happens. In verse 11, he says, The devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. There is the leading that he leads you and I by his spirit. Sometimes we are good complainers and wonderful murmurers. You know, we murmur a lot and we complain a lot, especially when the going is rough and tough. And we, why has God left me? Why has God abandoned me in this particular situation? I want you to remember Jesus. He lead, he's being led by his spirit and he's brought into the wilderness to be tried and tempted by the devil. And as he's tempted, it is a difficult time after 40 days of fasting and you know, nothing. He's brought through a very serious trial and, you know, checkup of his mind and everything. But he comes through victorious. He realizes, I have been brought here and I'm being everything that is happening to me. The father is aware. So... I am not letting go of the Father. I will hold on to him. And as he holds on to the Father all throughout, the word of God says in verse 11, the devil left him. It does not matter how difficult the trial or the difficulties we may be going through. He is going to give up if you don't give up. Praise God. Where God brings you, he will not abandon you. The father is right there with you in that situation on that difficult age. It might be a relationship. It might be in our own families. And we wonder, shall we ever come out of it? I want you to cry out unto him and tell him, Father, lead me by your spirit in this particular storm where I am. He will bring through. He will bring the love and the peace that will bring a solution in that particular relationship or in that particular situation and solve that particular problem if you will not give in and don't give up. 
Remember what, G what happens to the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God says in Hebrews 5, 8, that although he was a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. The father may allow us. He's the father of mercies. Don't forget what we said at the beginning. But there is a reason why he allows the suffering to come in our path. Our makeup in the world is such that we are made to be contrary to God. That is our sinful nature. Our human nature is always contrary to the will and to the purposes of God. And hence, some of the sufferings of almost us, all the sufferings that the Father allows us to go through is to yank out some of those particular aspects of our worldly nature so that he puts them aside and he now molding and preparing us as a son. He says we learn obedience through the things that we suffer. Now why does he say that? Look at James chapter 1 verse 12. He says something interesting. Blessed is the man or woman who endures temptation or trial. For when he or she has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those that love him. Now the Father has a crown that he has planned for each one of us. That's why Jesus left us in his care. And because he left us in his care, what does he say? He realized he, said he has a crown he is planning to put on you. He has promised because if you love him. But he says... There is a path of trial that you must come through. There is an opposition that the evil one has schemed against you and against I. But God wants you to overcome. Don't be discouraged in those trials and those difficult times. Those, you know, confusing situations, my brother, my sister. Don't throw in the towel. Again, I pray. Don't throw in the towel. Hold on. It is the Father who is leading you in each and every one of these particular places. In one of the places where Marie read for us in chapter in, in, in that book of Peter, the first Peter chapter 4, verse 12, uh, and after 14, he says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. For if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. The setups and the difficulties that we experience, my brother, my sister, the father is telling you, it is me who is taking care of you and there is a reason behind it. The hardships don't cry and say, God has forsaken me and cast God. No. Remember Job. Persevere in that place. Crying unto him, he will bring you through. He promises. After some point, he says, the spirit of glory is resting upon you. If the spirit of glory is resting upon you, rest assured, that glory is going to burst forth one of these days. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will not leave you in that situation, in that damp place, for all throughout. He will bring you out for the honor and for the glory of his holy name. So remember this particular aspect, that the Father is interested in your character formation, not in our worldly comforts. Sometimes we long for the worldly comforts, but let us realize the worldly comforts are fleeting and they are passing. 
But the character that God is seeking to establish in you and me for the honor of his name will last into eternity. And that's what he's out to establish in your life and in my life. But remember, just, just as for you, just as it was for Jesus, the end of the leading of the Spirit and the end of each experience that God allows us to go through, the end of each trouble and difficulty that you go through, the end thereof is his comfort. The end thereof is his mercies. The end thereof is his glory. Don't be discouraged. It is the leading that the Father leads us. And Jesus left us in his care. And he is committed to his purpose. God, how he dealt with Jesus is exactly how he's going to deal with us. So don't give up. I didn't know the Christian life is going to be so hard. It can be hard. And it is hard. I do agree. But God is committed to bring you through victorious in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. He will bring you through. Aspect number one, he leads you by his spirit. That is the aspect number one of the care that God is taking care of you. Remember what Jesus said. I am the true vine, but my father is the vine dresser. He is the one who takes care of the, of the vine. Now when any gardener is taking care of a, a tree, of the main tree, you will discover something. Most of the time, in fact always, he goes digging around, make sure that, 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 that whatever is fine, and then after that, you'll never find him cutting the tree or, you know, hurting the tree in any way. He goes to the branches. You happen to be the branch, I happen to be the branch of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the gardener takes care of his plant, he, the, the, the main stalk, he digs around, he brings all the necessary, you know, is it compost, compost or whatever, and make sure everything is fine. Then it comes to the, to, the, to the branches, so that the branches may bring forth fruit. He will go cutting them and making sure he cleans them and all of you. You and I, we are the branches. And he, the father, he is committed to make sure the vine is fine. The vine is only fine if the branches are working proper. Then they will be able to bring forth the fruit that he has desired to bring forth. You and I, we are the branches. Let us persevere in that, those moments as the pruning goes on. As the hard times and the setbacks that we experience in life. Don't let them make you lose faith in God. Hold on to it because the glory that is going to be released in you is powerful and glorious. Number two. The care that the Father takes of you and I, he laid upon my heart, was that he forgives you. He forgives you. Remember what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will, forgive, will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The Father is committed to forgiving you Always. He has got no business in holding back that particular forgiveness. Now I want you to remember the, the, the prodigal son. You know the story of the prodigal son. You know, every moment, every moment that this son was away, the father was remembering him. He, he was remembering every single moment where, for all the years that the son was away. The word of God says it's like, it's like he used to take the seat 
and God sits in front of his house. He's looking at the gate always. He's waiting. When will he come back? When will he come back to his senses? So that he may be able to return. When he may be able to return, he may be able to return back home. So, and the same thing he does for us. He waits wondering, when will you return? And when will you come back to your senses so that you may be able to do according to what it is that he has desired of you? Sometimes people fall or we fall into temptations and things that, and then you feel, no, I'm not worthy of going back to the Father again. I'm not worthy even to be a Christian. A number of people have shared with me, God cannot forgive me for all that I have done. Remember the prodigal son. The father is always waiting. And what is he saying, telling you in, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, chapter, chapter 10, verse 5? He's telling you one thing, that cast down those arguments and those high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Cast down every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing to captivity every thought to obey Christ. What does it mean? He says that your forgiveness is guaranteed. And he's waiting for you to come. Now, this is the, 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 the step that he tells us. As much as the care that he takes for us is to forgive us. Realize as long as guilt is on your spirit, you cannot prosper in whatever it is that you do. Anything that you want to do, that weight puts, pulls you down. But the Father, by his spirit, he says he is forgiving you. And whatever it is that you have, you've done or you've gone through, he says even now, I am forgiving you. But what does he require of you? He says one thing, forgive and you shall be forgiven. Praise God. Now realize it's interesting. I was looking at that scripture and I, I thought of it again. He says, forgive people their trespasses and your father will forgive you. It's like even you may not even ask for forgiveness for your own trespass. But because you forgive him and her and her and all the others, automatically the father also lets you off. He releases you from what it is that you, have, you may have fallen and gone wrong. Of course, we will ask, Father, forgive me. But what it is, he indicates basically there is, as you forgive, automatically forgiveness is granted unto you. Remember what he says in, is it in 1 John 1, 7. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, he says you will have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Walking in the light means there is no shadow that is following you. Light has got no shadow. Light makes a shadow when it finds an object, an obstacle that blocks its path. But you and I says if we walk in the light, we'll have followed. The light will go through us. There will be no shadow. What are the shadows? When I've got an evil thought against you. When I've not forgiven my brother, my, my sister. When I've gotten that resentment in my spirit. Those are all obstacles and shadows that follow, that follow me. And he says if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Then he says that you, you will experience that particular liberty and that freedom to know the forgiveness of the father. So do you want peace? Do you want to enjoy the presence of God? Learn to forgive. Don't get angry. Don't get annoyed with any brother, any sister. Don't get annoyed with your daughter, your son, your, you know, your parent, your brother or your sister. Make a point. I know we can be annoying to each other. I'm not saying it is not, it, 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 it's not easy. Because we get mad at each other every now and then. But what God is telling us is, if God were to be getting mad at us, think of how many billions we are on earth. 
Can you imagine the amount of anger he would pent up within himself? From a billion, just one, from three people, one person makes you annoyed. But him, he has got over seven billion that are poking, you know, that are, you know, punching fingers against him. And, you know, all of them, every single one of us, there's none of us who doesn't sin or doesn't do something naughty and evil before his eyes. And yet, what does he do? He has got his peace. He's relaxed. He's waiting. Say, when is she going to come back? <laughs> when is she going to come to her senses? He or she coming, going to come to her senses and return back home. That is the love of the Father. And so he wants to draw you. He's not seeking to, draw, to push you away. He's seeking to bring you over to himself. Now realize, forgiveness can change the course of nature. Just what is happening in Ukraine right now. Imagine. If there, were, if there was forgiveness, you'll be surprised how wonderful they will be. Stay, they have been neighbors for many, many years. There will be no war. Here in the United Kingdom, we'll be at peace with each other. If at all, we learn the secret of forgiveness. Let us, and that is the care of the Father. He is caring for you and for me through the, that particular channel of forgiveness. He has appointed it that way and he drops it in your heart. Forgive him because I want to forgive you. And when you let go, ah, he says, lovely, you are free. I, you want, I, but hold on, I didn't ask you to forgive me. He says, yeah, but you forgave me. So why should you be held responsible for what you had done? You have released all others, I also release you. So my brother, my sister, make a point. If you want the Father to continually be forgiving you moment by moment, walk in the light. If anger comes, muscle it and tell anger, anger, you don't walk the righteousness of God. Get out of my way. I want to walk in the light. I want to walk in the forgiveness of our Father in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. He leads you by his spirit. He forgives you. And aspect number three is the fact that, you know, he says he loves you. He, he, what he says in John chapter 16 verse 27, just very brief scriptures, he says, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came forth from God. That is the Lord Jesus Christ saying. Then he goes in chapter 14, verse 20 and 23, he says, At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Then he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. My father will love him, he has said there. Then Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Hear what Jesus says. Jesus answers and says to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him. And he will come to him and make, we will come to him and make our home with him the father loves you he's reaching out to lead you by his spirit and what does he say is he telling you he's telling you submit to me and i will be able to lead you by my spirit if we resist him he can't he can't force us he never forces any man or any woman he simply says you submit yourself to god when you submit to God, is to, to submit to his spirit. And he will draw you in the way that he desires you to go. All for the glory of God in the highest. Remember what he says, therefore submit to God and resist the evil one. And he will flee away from you. Then listen to this. Where do wars and fights 
come from among you, even in our own families? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask a means that you may spend it on your pleasures. He says, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is an enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The Father loves you and he loves me. He wants to take care of us in that love. But if I am his enemy, how will he be able to manifest that love to me? If I am a friend of the world, he tells me I become his enemy automatically. He, does, he becomes essentially then my enemy. Him, he is not an enemy of anybody. But we create that enmity by the ties that we link ourselves with. So I want you to look in your life as I look in my life. Where am I linked to? To whom am I linked? Who is my association and where is my interest? Where are my interests? Remember what he says of love. What is he telling you? He loves you. Essentially he's saying he is patient with you every other day. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He's saying I am kind to you. That's basically what he's indicating unto you. He's reaching out. He says, I do not envy you. God doesn't envy any one of us. That we should hide anything from him. Or hold anything back from him. He says, I enjoy your success and your progress. That is my delight. Because he loves you. He says, I will never be rude to you. Never. Throughout. Like we get, sometimes we get rude to each other. You come to me and I answer you with such a nasty comment. And you wonder, is that Paul who said that to me? Not our father in heaven. He will never be rude to you. He, you know, he will always be selfless towards you. He minds only about you because he has everything. Praise the Lord. What a friend and what a father to have. He will never be provoked to hate you. That is the care that he is taking care of you as you link yourself to him. He never rejoices when he sees you fall. He will never say, ah, he deserved it, she deserved it. Never. That is the care that the father is taking care of you and drawing you to himself. He says, you know, he applauds when you walk in righteousness. When you do it right, he's up saying, yes, yes. You, you, saw, you, you, you saw Sarah here say yes right here. That is one of the things that Father punches into the back. Yes, she has done it. She is doing it. He is doing it for the glory of God. He bears every situation that you go through or you experience. He bears with you in every situation. He does not abandon you because you fell into the mud. No. He comes into that mud. He does not stand there, come out of that mud, you stupid boy. No. He comes and enters into that mud. And says, what are you doing in this mud? Let us come out of this mud. And you come out together with him. That is the wonder of our father. He cares for you. He believes in you. <clears throat> Some of you, even your parents, never believed in you. They called you a cow. They called you you're stupid. They called you all sorts of names. But not our heavenly father. 
He believes in you. Even in your little abilities that you may have, he believes in you that you will make a champion. You will make a great hero with those particular little abilities. He loves you. And he loves me. He hopes always that you are going to take the right turn. He's never worried that, you know, oh, ah, ah, he's going to make it back. No, he's going to turn the wrong way. Mm -mm. He hopes always. He was always looking at you smiling. Yeah, yeah, she will make the right turn. He will make the right choice. Even when we make the wrong choice. Have you ever seen the Satnav? The Satnav never gives up on you. You take the wrong turn. He tells you, okay, 300 meters ahead, turn right. You miss that one. Oh, hold on. Okay, one mile down the road, turn left, and then you'll be able to. It never gives up on you. That is the love that the Father has for you and the Father has for me. And then he says, he will never fail you. Have you been failed by men and women? Have you been failed by your wife, by your husband? Have you been failed by your brother, your sister, or by your friend? He says he loves you. What care does the Father take of you? He leads you by his spirit. He forgives you. And now he loves you in the name of Jesus Christ. And finally, I will not go to the other house. We will share maybe another time. He listens to you just as we sang he hears me when I call. He listens to you at all times. He hears your voice when you call. Let us read those scriptures as we summarize. It says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. In John 16, Jesus says, in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be full. Then he says, you did not choose me in chapter 15 verse 16 of John. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give unto you. What is he telling you in the caring that he cares for you? He leads you by his spirit. He forgives you. He loves you. And he listens to you. Speak to him over and over. Don't get discouraged and say that my prayers have not been answered. No. Keep on calling. He, say, he has told us there. His ear is inclined. He will answer you. He will come through for you in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, you know us. Jesus committed us to your care. And I pray for each man and each woman that is here. Oh, that we may submit ourselves to that care that you care for us. Oh, that our hearts and our minds may be opened to know and appreciate and understand the kind of care that, Father, you're reaching out unto us to restore us and to establish us in yourself for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name.